Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Let's Talk TV Live. Um, That theme song was written for me by a member of the uh, GayWorld.com site. And he wrote that for me after um, listening to my first part of my interview with Joe Malazzi, who is the executive producer of Stargate SG-1. Stargate Atlantis and Stargate Universe, and he heard the first part of my interview, and um, I was absolutely flattered that uh, he wrote this theme song for me, which is much longer, but it is now it. Hopefully, you guys like it, Um, and I want to wish you all a happy new year, and I'm going to bring Jerome Wetzel TV, James Daly, Jimmy, however we're going to call him on the air. Hang on one second. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Thank you. Do you like my theme song? Yes, I do. It's kind of bizarre, but it kind of fits. (laughs) It works. (laughs) It works. The guy said it was sort of, you know, his inspiration sort of sci-fi-ish and drama-ish and kind of every other-ish-ish. So Uh um, it was great. We had, gosh, you know, last Wednesday... We had something like 279 people in the chat room at one time or another. Wow. 300 live listens last week, last Wednesday's show. Um, And the week before that, we had like 150. And um, it it was like, oh, my God. So because the show was on Wednesday because of New Year's Eve, I didn't broadcast. We were at a great jazz club celebrating New Year's Eve. And I, I had uh, Joe Malazzi on for part two of my interview with him last Wednesday. And within, I think, the first two hours after the show aired, I had something like 2,000 listens to that oh. interview. I was, like, blown away. So That's now crazy. I've had, I know, and I've had now more than 3,000 listens in less than a week to that interview. And all my numbers are up. We are almost at 20,000 listens since we started. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Since we started 11 weeks ago, so that is pretty insane. Mm-hmm. So, did you have a good New Year's Eve? I did. Uh, just hung out with some friends, played some games. Have you ever played Cards Against Humanity? No. Cards have against you played Apple Apples? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love Apple Apples. It, it's just like Apple Apples, except all the cards are absolutely filthy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we played, my son got us for Hanukkah as a belated gift when he came in from college. Mm-hmm. He got us a game called Seven Wonders, and it's a card game. It sort of um, it sort of got traces of Magic the Gathering in it, but it's not anywhere as complicated. And the cool thing about it is, because 
most of those tabletop games, you know, take three days to play. Mm-hmm. This is done in 45 minutes. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So um, it absolutely is a great game. It's called Seven Wonders. Lots of fun. Um, I did not win. Our son won, but he's played it. Um, but anyway, so tonight's show is going to be kind of different than my last couple because I've had live, like, sort of famous <laughs> Now I've got James, who so you're sort of famous, writing for blog critics, and you have a brand new feature with us called, what is it called, Droning the TV Landscape? What is the name of your feature, blog critic? Droning the TV Landscape. That's what I thought it was, Droning the TV Landscape, and you've also been writing for Seat 42F, which is, by the way, uh, I heard of, I first learned of Seat 42F last summer um, when they were sort of named like the go-to place for stuff about Comic-Con. So, oh, I did not know that. I actually, the guy that runs Seat 42F lives in Columbus, Ohio, where I live. And we met because he was on this trip to Toronto that I went uh, to visit the set of suits last spring. Uh-huh. And uh, we got talking at the airport. Our flight got delayed, and uh, now I do all his TV reviews. <laughs> Cool. Yeah. Um, so they're they're really pretty good. Um, so you write for them, and that's great. And you have your own podcast too. Yeah. You you still doing um, the good, the bad, the good, the bad, the good, the bad, the geeky, right? Yeah, I contribute to that. That's my buddy Nick's podcast. I used to co-host it with him. Now I just do. I'm on about every other episode. Okay. Well, that's really cool. So um, so I have you on the show every once in a while because I really hate talking to myself. And I that room. Hi, Betsy. And I know Betsy is a regular contributor to my comments thread at Blog Critics, um, and she's like always first to comment. I I, I, I always appreciate that, Betsy. Thank you. Um, and our heart is also um, a blog blog critic. She writes a lot about um, her radio show as well, a blog talk radio. Um, and uh, it's great to see you. Uh, so I'm really, really happy to see you guys here. Uh, and I just want to give you guys a, a little bit of a preview of what's coming up next. And then what I'm going to do is I am going to play a, a segment of my interview with Adam Horwitz and Eddie Kitsis, which I did uh, last Thursday. Um, we spent about half an hour on the phone talking about all things Once Upon a Time. And um, I had some technical difficulties at the beginning of the interview, which came out garbled. So I had to cut some of that off. Um, and uh, I didn't want to put, like, 25 minutes of an interview on just because it's such a long interview. Um, so I decided to put, like, a 12- or 13-minute segment on and um, hope you'll all like that. I usually don't do pre-recorded interviews, so it's like, okay, <laughs> we're going to try something new. I really like to do my show live, so... But coming up uh, next Monday, hey Jerome, do you uh, do you watch spy TV? Have you liked spy shows through your life? Spy shows? Yeah. Uh, I love Alias. Okay. Well, I I'm don't having... know that I've seen that many other ones. Okay. Well, next Monday night, I am having on Wes Britton, who is another blog critics writer, by the way. Um, and he's also a, a writer, author. He's written a couple of books on spies. Um, one of the, his books is called uh, The Encyclopedia of TV Spies. 
Mm. And he sent me a copy of the book, and it's really cool. And um, we're going to talk about it. My very first TV crush, and I'm going to now I'm going to reveal how old I really am. Such <laughs> a very young demographic. Um, who I think are all my daughter's age. Um, but my first TV crush was Ilya Kuryakin on The Man from Uncle. And, you know, that was my first Scottish actor that I fell in love with. And first in a long line of Scottish actors that I have always adored, and British actors, other British actors as well, English actors, Welsh actors, I suppose it doesn't matter. But um, uh, David McCallum, who plays Ducky on NCIS, um, is famous, 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 more famous, I think, for the man from Uncle than he is for NCIS. It's, it was a truly iconic role back when I was like nine, and my first TV crush, and and it just went on from there. I just I was going through his book, and I was like nuts for all of these you know, Mission Impossible and The Prisoner and Secret Agent Man and Man in a Suitcase and all these other. So anyway, he's going to be on the show next Monday, and we're going to talk about TV spies. Um, and then the week after that, the 21st, uh, it's the night after Jane Atkinson's next episode. But she wrote episode 12, and that's going to be on uh, on January 20th, Sunday night, January 20th. And um, it, she's going to be on the show live on the next Monday night. I emailed her and I said, hey, Jane, any possibility that you might come on the show? And she said, of course. So she's going to be on for the hour on the 21st of January. She will take calls from people. Um, she'll keep an eye on the chat room. So everybody come on by for Jane Espenson, who is wonderful and a friend of the show. And, and she is, this is actually the second time she's going to be on the show in the very short time we've been on the air. So um, she's, I'm just so thrilled. Uh, so what else? What else? What else? Oh, uh, I have to put in a plug for my sponsor. We are sponsored by Wireless One Marketing, who created my wonderful Let's Talk TV app. Um, I don't know. Have you seen it? Jerome, have you seen my app? Yeah, I was actually listening to an episode on it this morning. Were you? Isn't it a cool app? Yeah, it's very neat. It's got lots of features. Cool things. And it was developed for me by a Wireless One Marketing Group, who did it an unbelievably affordable amount of money. I'm like... You know, I said, somebody said, get an app. And I'm like, I can't afford an app. And they said, just call these guys. And I called Wireless One, and they built me this beautiful app for an amazing, very affordable price. So call Wireless One at 847-637-2514 for a free demo. And it's, like, really quick. It takes them, like, a couple of weeks, and you're, like, up and running. It's great. Um, so that number is 847-637-2514 or visit their website at www.app2020.com. So they will, if you're a writer, if you're a small business, um, Simon will hook you up with a great custom-made app for iTunes, for iPad, mobile website. He does everything. So now that I got all that business out of the way, uh, oh, one other thing. Gosh, I completely forgot. Now, I know you, you watched House, right, Jerome? Oh, yes. I watched every episode. And starting next Tuesday night, I'm going to be doing a weekly House rewatch, mm -hmm. starting with the pilot. 
So we're going to be doing that. It's going to be a 45-minute show, I think. And it's going to run every Tuesday night. And it's going to be episode by episode or arc by arc. And we'll see. We'll have some guests. We'll have some Bobbin Bergstrom, who was um, one of the medical advisors for the show and also was in the show as, as a nurse has promised she'll come on to the show, and we'll see who else we can corral, some of the writers maybe, um, if we can corral them uh, to come on the show and and talk about some of their new projects as well. We might be able to get a few of them to come on. Uh, The other thing I'm doing is later this week, I think Wednesday, I'm doing a press call with the uh, creator of Sci-Fi's new show, Continuum, which Mm -hmm. is pretty cool. Have Um, you seen that yet? No, I've not seen it yet. Um, I have not seen the screener yet. I will probably watch it before the conference call. It doesn't it debuts next week, I think. Uh, have you cool. seen it? No, I've had the disc sitting on my couch for about a week, and I figured I'd get to it in the next couple of days. I was just curious if what you thought. I have not seen it. Um, I intend to see it before the press conference. Mm-hmm. And talking to Sci-Fi and seeing if maybe we can get a couple of the actors from the show ought to come on uh, Let's Talk TV Live. So um, maybe like Jen Spence, who was in Stargate Universe, or Mike Dopehud, who also was in Stargate Universe. So it kind of makes that little um, connection between the two two of the series that I follow. So anyway, so um, we'll talk about episodes from last night, but I do want to play this segment. So... Hang on, everybody. We're going to see if this works. It was, like, really, really soft on my recorder. So I'm hoping I boosted the uh, the sound, and hopefully it will not blow up in my face. So hang <laughs> on. I'm going to put it on. Interesting ways. Um, but I wanted to talk about something a little bit more global, and that's kind of the overarching idea of the ogre war. Um, where did that come from, and, and can you tell me a little bit about the ogre war? Give me a little backstory on that. Uh, well, that that came about last year when we um, when we were when we were doing a, a Rumpelstiltskin. Um, we loved the idea of this, you know. For us, Rumpelstiltskin, as you know, is very old, and we love this ancient time when ogres roamed the world, and that you know he was drafted into it. That was where he would uh, you know be called a coward, and um, and we liked the the idea that there was this ancient uh, almost, you know, large war that, that went on for so long that the draft age got lowered to 14. And we just like kind of the quality of, you know, that mythic epic war that went on. But yet, you know, really what it was, was it was a place where uh, Rumple did not have great memories, which is uh, something that we will explore more this season coming up in the next a batch of episodes, and it was, you know, it was really telling that, you know, Rumpel became the dark one to save his son from a war, but of course he ended up losing his son because of the power and being seduced by it. Right. Um, I have to tell you, when I saw that episode, um, Desperate Souls, and this idea of Rumpel being, you know, the, the image of these young kids being put into being sacrificed, literally. It reminded me so much of uh, stories you hear about World War One and the trenches and going over the top. And I just, yeah, it was really, really resonant in that way. And 
you know, it's like, I, I wonder, and maybe you can tell me this, is Rumpel really a coward, or is that his perception of himself? Uh, well, you know, I think that that's an interesting question that I can, uh, will definitely be explored in an episode this year. Oh, very cool. Very cool. Because uh, I'm fascinated with the whole ogre war thing, and and uh, and Rumpel, who has become, I have to confess, really one of my favorite characters in the show. Um, just a real, he kind of touches everything, in a way. Um, yeah, you know, and we wrote that role for for Robert Carlyle because Adam and I were such huge fans of his. So so for us, you know, we just it's, it's such a it's such an honor to get to work with someone like Robert because that character is so much fun and he just, he really elevates it with his performance and, mm-hmm. and you know, really sometimes he's playing ten different characters even if they all have the same name. Right, right. Oh, definitely in so many different time periods but not only that, all the different emotional beats the character plays. It's just tour de force. It's a, an incredible performance. Uh, I'm also a huge fan of his so this was good stuff. Um, so speaking of Rumpel, um, so Rumbel, are we, I, a lot of my readers have asked me, I, I kind of I said that I was going to be talking to you guys today, and without exception, they all said, ask about Rumbel, <laughs> Rumpel and Bell, and, and why has the story been so quiet so far this season, and are we going to see much more? Well, you know, I think I think that uh, we are going to get a lot of Rumbel, and I think that, you know, it, it, it's interesting because, you know, for us, we look at the season, each season like a book. So there are different chapters, and the story is going to unfold. And so, you know, in the first nine episodes, um, Rumble definitely changed, but he had other things going on, such as a son. And Belle was just getting introduced to town, and so you know, you can't you can't show. You know, for us, it was like we didn't. You know, we want to to uh, really get into these stories and be able to really explore them, um, and not just check them off a list. So I would say, if you're a Rum Bell fan, you know, keep watching because you're going to get a lot of it. Cool. Um, and also, I read one of the press releases for an upcoming episode where um, Rumble's going to test that border maybe a little bit. Um, is, is, he, is, is that part of the arc, too, where he's going to make an effort to, to find Balefire? I think that the border of Storybrooke is a very important uh, issue for a lot of people. Oh, yeah. that we are going to be exploring very soon when we return. Right. You know, I think Rumble. As we know, it said, Mr. Gold has said he wants to find his son, and we know his son is in Storybrooke, so that is a conundrum he is going to have to figure out. Right. Speaking of the border, what about Neil Cassidy? Is he going to come into Storybrooke, you think? I mean, you guys know. I don't know if you're going to tell me. but oh, I uh, Well, I can tell you that Neil Cassidy will uh, be appearing again. We have not seen the last of Henry's father. Okay. Great. Great. Um, so... At the beginning of the season, you started out the season really in an interesting way, I think, kind of maybe even a risky way, by um, bringing in Mulan and Aurora, uh, never mind you know, Neil Cassidy at the beginning of the, the first episode, which was actually a really cool way to start it. I have to confess that when I saw it, and I saw it on a screener, 
um, I had a, I was scratching my head wondering if I picked the wrong screener out of my pile <laughs> to watch. But but you also introduced Mulan and Aurora, and um, how, what's are they going to come into Storybrooke, or is their story kind of coming to an end, or um, how are they well, going to? Yeah, I, I mean, look, I, we know that they were left off with um, they were going to save Philip because we know that uh, a soul can be retrieved from the race. So there are definitely adventures um, for them uh, and that we hope to get to this season. But, um, you know, I think coming back into, you know, from episode 10 on for a while, we really are going to be in Storybrooke and, uh, you know, focusing on uh, – you know, um, you know, Snow and Emma and Charming and Regina and Henry and Rumpel and Belle and Hook and Cora are going to probably take center stage for a while. Okay, okay. Um, speaking of the old gang from last year, the last we saw of Sidney, besides him being on Revolution, um, he was in the hospital with Nurse Ratchet. <laughs> he was in yeah. the cuckoo's nest. Um, is he? Is there a chance that uh, he might... Show up. I know that Revolution has been sort of in a hiatus, so. Yeah, but they're they're shooting their show, and they're working, and we would love to have them back. And we are uh, just absolutely in love with Giancarlo. He is so talented. <laughs> He's and if you haven't Breaking Bad, I would tell everyone to run out and drop what you're doing to go see the Breaking Bad. We would love to have him back, but uh, alas, he's on another show, so it is schedule permitting. And sometimes those always, they don't always get worked out. But but there's much love for him and his character, and we would we would kill to have him back at any time. And also, of course, there's uh, Jesse Schramm, whose show is now um, going off the well, one of her shows anyway, Last Resort, is going off the air. And and I know a few of my readers have said, hey. Is Cinderella going to make another appearance, maybe in in Storybrooke? Um, she may. Um, I, you know, definitely she's out there, and we love Jessie. She's a great actress, and she may absolutely appear this season. I think, you know, there's going to be some old friends popping up here and there by the end of the season, and mm-hmm. you know, at the same time, um, you know, we really we feel like we also introduced a bunch of new characters yeah. this year, and. Yeah. We want to give them their due, but at the same time, we really want to, of course, focus on you know the the, the you know our our hero characters sure. as well. Right. Well, back this year, but we definitely love her, and she's definitely uh, in Storybrooke. Great. Um, I wanted to spend the rest of our time talking talking about something that probably intrigues me most of all about the show. And that are the I, I was trying to sit down and list all of the, the the great big gigantic themes that the show explores so nicely. And I started to list some of them: sacrifice, redemption, power and powerlessness, parental conflict, duality, evil is not born, it's made, magic comes with a price, loneliness, and I was like going on and on and on in my head. Um, can you do you want to talk a little bit about? some of these overall themes and how much they're intentionally put into the stories as explorations. I know some of them are recurring themes like all magic comes with a price and evil isn't born, it's made, and this duality. But I, I was wondering if you might want to talk about some of the themes you guys have explored and might explore. I mean, there are a lot of themes that recur in the show because those are, you know, those are the themes kind of at the heart of what this show is about. And 
these are the things that we're exploring, you know, over and over and hopefully different and interesting ways. But, you know, um, you know, as characters grow and evolve and face new challenges, new themes will probably reveal themselves as well. Mm-hmm. So one of the themes that I've noticed a lot, again, recurring, is this parental conflict. You know, you have Cora and Regina, and Cora beginning, you know, Cora, Regina sort of making the same mistakes with Henry that Cora made with her. Um, you know, this sort of smother love, kind of holding on to something so hard that you destroy it, you know, how we love badly. And I thought that was a really interesting uh, parallel uh, those two, and, and, and actually parallel as well with, with Rumpel and Belle and, one, and, and, and Belle's father, you know, that whole um, idea of parental conflict it just seems to be a real recurrent theme. Is that something that, that you, you know, that you want to explore more? Hello? Um, oh, sorry. Parental conflict is, you know, is kind of you know, at the heart of a lot of the, the issues in this show. I mean, we have so many different permutations of parents and children and grandparents, and they're thrown together in ways that, you know, we think are unique because of, you know, the situation these characters are from, the world they're from, and the mm-hmm. under. So, yeah, I mean, we, 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 we fully intend to continue to try to mine those areas. Cool. So, okay, so that was my, a little bit of a fragment of an, our interview with, uh, with Adam Horowitz and Eddie Kitsis from last Thursday. Um, a few things that I did not put into the interview. Hopefully you found some extra little tidbits. Um, so, Jay, thank you. Good question. Our heart just said great question. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, I always try to make my interviews a little bit more like conversations than, you know, hammering people with questions and um, they were really good uh, interview subjects, um, and they were really up for talking about stuff. So, uh, James, are you still there? Yep. Okay, so let's talk about uh, yesterday's episode a little bit. Well, so, I actually caught up, unlike other times I've come on the show. <laughs> so, I'm kind of on I once upon a time and on elementary. I thought you'd be proud. Cool. So, okay, so... I have to ask, what did you think of this week's elementary, or last week's elementary? The Dirty Laundry? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just really wish they'd commit more to the, the serial story. The procedural stuff, to me, it just starts to get boring. I mean, I liked the guest stars this week, and I liked the story. And the little bits they had of Sherlock being so overconfident that he could keep Watson and her pulling away were really good. But then just so much was spent on the case, I got a little bored. You know what? That's really funny that you said that. And Rob Doherty, I hope you're not listening. He's really delight. I talked to him a couple of weeks ago. Had a long conversation with him. Um, and Rob Doherty's the uh, creator of the show. Um, and I was actually, you're right. I mean, I love the. And one of the things we talked about at length was the fact that this was, you know, really so much character study of a mm-hmm. show. And, you know, CBS, the thing with CBS is that their shows are procedural. That's what they do. Except The Good Wife. Yeah. 
Okay. I don't feel like that. I don't feel like that's very procedural. But yeah, other than that, the hour shows are pretty much all procedurals. Yeah. So um, you know, I really hope it doesn't fall victim to that because I think they've got some really interesting things going on. I mean, the BBC Sherlock has it's procedural, you know, and it's great. And I'm not a procedural person, which is why I don't watch NCIS because as much as I love David McCallum. Um, <laughs> Really care for procedural house which was you know I always you know me I always argued that house was not a procedural well it wasn't it wasn't I mean it was but there were so many reoccurring and serial elements and character bits and questions of morality and they do fun little things that would last for like the arc where he had the contest with the doctors to replace his and you know the two hour thing where he's in insane asylum there were so many different elements to house that it wasn't just a procedural. I mean, what I always said was it's a character study wrapped in a procedural. The procedural mm-hmm. elements were the skeleton, to take the anatomical metaphor. Um, it's the skeleton. And the character study of house was really the meat and the, meat, um, and the muscle um, of, the, of the show. And I really think that elementary started it, it had elements of that. Had elements, get that elements <laughs> And especially with Peter Blake, Liz Friedman too, but but much more so Peter Blake, because Liz Friedman, who wrote for House, wrote a lot of procedurals, a lot of the procedural, more procedural episodes. Peter Blake was one of the keepers of the character, and um, wrote a lot of the premiere and finale episodes, and had been with the series since the second season. And really knew the show, and um, I've spoken to him a number of times. And the episode that he wrote was incredible um, of Elementary. And I really hope, and from what uh, Rob said to me on the phone, was this really is kind of what he's hoping, is this is much more of a character show. So I'm looking forward to some of that coming forward, and especially with uh, Moriarty being introduced, and more about Irene Adler and, you know, with, with Watson now presumptively leaving Sherlock because she's at the end. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to swing more to a character stuff. I hope so. So sorry for that. Uh, like, <laughs> um, but you were caught up on elementary. So I had, I had <laughs> that same reaction that you did the last week's show, which is by the way, why I didn't write an episode commentary on it because I find it very tedious. And, and and this is why I, I follow so few shows. I don't like to write recaps of anything. Mm-hmm. I'm a recapper. There are plenty of recaps out there, guys. <laughs> I don't write recaps. I write commentaries. I take something, you know, some elemental thing. <laughs> There's their pun again. Something elemental and, um, and run with it. So if you read my reviews, um, they're not reviews. They're commentaries, uh, essays um, on a theme. So, which is why I, I didn't write about last week's, uh, this last week's elementary for that very, very reason is I just, I couldn't, I couldn't find anything to grab onto. And so unlike this week's uh, Once Upon a Time, I usually find something to write about with Once Upon a Time. So it was so good to have the show back uh, last night. Yay. Um, <laughs> have a, a couple more uh, first run episodes and then the final episode of the month 
On the 27th is going to be a rerun. Lady in the Lake is being rerun, I just found out today. So we have, a, we have two new episodes and then a rerun. Um, but uh, all I can say after last night's episode, poor Regina, I feel I so I know. Heartbreaking. Heartbreaking. I mean, she wants so hard to be good, but can you blame her for losing her temper in these situations? I mean, yeah. she here she is bending over backwards to try to play nice, and no. they're still accusing her. Well, Cora, really, you know, this is all Cora. Um, oh, I know, I know. You know, funny because when Hook said, "Well, is she she's broken," you know, she's broken, and Cora said, "Not enough." Mm-hmm. And that end, my gosh, I mean, and Lana really outdid herself. She really outdid herself. Um, and uh, by the way, I am talking to her publicist about maybe getting her to come on the show, which will be fun. <laughs> Not to do a recorded thing. Um, I really think Alana is great, and she did a terrific job last night. Um, and it's not because I want her to come on the show. No, I really am a fan of hers, and uh, she did a great job. Brings a lot Absolutely. of... Absolutely. Lot. She's owned this season. She really, I mean, this year has been her year so far. Really letting her play um, a lot of the um, a lot of the emotional beats that she maybe didn't play so much last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's really great. Um, you know, it's funny. I was uh, talking to my husband, who is not a fan of Once Upon a Time. He tolerates it. <laughs> <laughs> so we were talking Golden Globes and the Screen Actors Guild Awards, and I said, "Yeah, well, they're running." Um, you know. Uh, uh, a first run episode against is it the is it the Golden Globes that are on next week? I can't remember. Uh, um, yeah, yeah, Golden Globes. Thirteenth, and I said um, they're they're running a, uh, a a first run. I said nobody's been nominated from from Once Upon a Time, and my husband said, "Really? No one's been nominated." I'm kind of surprised. I said, well, "Why are you surprised? You're not a big fan of the show." Well, I thought at least. Carlisle or, or Lana Perea would have been nominated. And I said, yeah, well, it's a genre show. You know, sci-fi fantasy never gets its due in those shows. Um, and he said, really? And I said, yeah, yeah, Battlestar Galactica kind of fell victim to that. And he said, wow, you know, it's a shame because, you know, Carlisle really deserves an award for this performance. And I'm like, yay! <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely. I mean, as much as I think Lana's own this season. Carlisle kind of owned last season. So it's those are the performers. I mean, uh, of course you like Emma and Snow and stuff, but those characters aren't half as interesting as Rumpelstiltskin and Regina. Well, you know what? I mean, it's it's like the, the good guys. They're so good. I mean, there's no there's no complexity to play. And right. you know, when you're good, you're good. I mean, Prince Charming is a good guy. And. Mm-hmm. So there's not a lot of complexity to play with that. And, you know, you have a character like Rumpelstiltskin who, like like uh, Eddie Kitts has said in the interview, you know, plays ten different characters, in, in sometimes in one scene or two scenes. And it's pretty uh, pretty incredible performance. So anyway, back to last night's episode. Sorry, I, de- I digress. But poor Regina, poor Archie. Oh, my goodness. So this is the thing with Archie is, uh, by the way, bad on Archie, 
for like talking about Regina's psychological problems. Yeah, I know. That kind of surprised me, especially when then he tried to go, well, I'll never break doctor-patient confidentiality. Well, yeah, that he did, you know, uh, even if he didn't give specifics. You know, on the other hand, um, you know, I mean, as Regina said, he did get his Ph.D. by a magic. <laughs> well, and I do think he was genuine that he was trying to help her by talking yeah. to Emma. It just it shouldn't have ever got to... Emma mentioning that he had talked to her. That was just a whole big, that's why you hate the high school gossip chains. It can ruin things. Yes, it can. It, it can. Um, so, but anyway, he's, Archie is now, um, wow. So Hook has him. And, uh, you know, he's going to use, he's going to use Archie to find out, uh, Rumpel's weaknesses. And we know from last season that Rumpel had visited Archie. Uh, last year's episode of Stranger about, mm-hmm. you know, relationship with, with Balefire. Not so much, you know, I don't think he knows. Archie's not going to know so much about Bell. I don't think that's going to help her any, but, you know, going to know about Balefire. And that, more than anything, I think is Rumpel's weakness. I mean, my goodness. I mean, every single thing that Rumpel has done, that the curse, and by the way, I loved the uh, fact last night, too, in the scene, you know, with the sort of, with the curse he was going to put on or the spell he was going to cast on Regina so that she would not be able to hurt um, Snow or Charming in that, in fairytale land. Mm -hmm. That's a really important spell because he can't have it that they're harmed because his magic spell is based on their child born of true love. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. that's a fundamental part of the curse, right? Yeah. So absolutely. he doesn't in Storybrooke. He's going to care about what happens in Fairytale Land, and he's going to do everything he can to protect them And uh, while he's in prison, which is where he wanted to be. Uh, so that's all these lovely little clues. But um, interesting enough, and again, it's like another uh, Rumpel scene. But Rumpel um, with Emma, you know, Emma's got magic now, which is yeah. awesome. Well, yeah, I mean, because really none of the good guys have magic. Right. They all have little, you know, that because, like Rumpel said, every spe- magic has its cost, has its price. And I, I definitely saw them warning Emma a little bit in this episode. But that makes me wonder, too, if Emma's going to be this magical force for good, what's that going to do to her, and how can she maintain the goodness? Yeah, and you know what's interesting is you know that um, both Cora and Regina uh, had to have their magic from Rumpel's spellbook, right? Mm-hmm. He had, and, he, and he tutors them both. And here, here we have... Um, Emma, and I think Rumpel is really intrigued by her. Oh, absolutely. He couldn't resist letting her do a little bit of magic in front of him. I mean, yeah, there was the whole trust issue, but I, I don't think that he would have shied away from doing the spell himself, but I think he just really wanted to see what Emma could do. Right, right. I mean, he kind of set it up for her with the dream catcher, which I thought was really cool. 
um, but let her do the magic and let her discover it for herself. I mean, last week um, in, in sorry in the in the winter finale, where you know she assumes that that Gold Rumple has had everything to do with everything that she's ever done, mm-hmm. and she says no. I mean, what you're able to do, I didn't have anything to do with, and I think that really is so fascinating for him and for us. Well, you have to wonder if, it, if that's the wild card, because Rumpel, like you said, has had everything planned out for over these decades of slow burn, and then he gets to the, the real world, and there's a couple of things he didn't count on. He didn't count on the new curse, where you can't leave the town without your memory wiped, and he didn't count on Emma being what she is. He seems a little bit surprised by it. So, I mean, there's definitely now, it feels like he no longer has complete control of the game. Right, which I don't think he minds. To be honest. No, no. At this point, he doesn't need it. But and not only that, I mean, the other wild card too is Belle. You know, mm-hmm. because he wasn't expecting ever to see her again. True. And now here she is, and um, you know, he thought, okay, the curse will be broken, he can leave. Well, now he has Belle to consider too, and doesn't want to. You know, I think his love for her is just long as it is for Balefire, maybe, but he thought she was dead. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, he's got her to consider. So, you know, he's got a couple weaknesses that Hook is going to really exploit, I think. And yeah. it's going to be really interesting to see within Rumpel the, the dark one versus the love that's kind of, you know, inside him. You know, the fundamental, elemental Rumpelstiltskin, who is and and who we know from, you know, before the dark curse on him, was a a sweet, gentle man. So that's mm-hmm. really interesting. So is, you know, is love, as Betsy is saying, you know, Hook doesn't get that love is strength. And, um, you know, is Rumpel going to be able to use that love as his strength? Based on the promo for next week, um, I think that he is. I think he is going to get that. That, you know, he is at the border, and who does he bring to the border with him in the promo but Belle? Right. And they're together, you know. And uh, what happens after that? I don't know. It looks like Hook sort of uh, ambushes them. And who knows what's going to happen. There were some fun things in last night's show, too. Um, And one of them was Charming and Snow frolicking around in bed. (laughs) I love that line about, I guess it's not too late to give her some traumatic childhood memories. (laughs) Well, we don't have kids yet. So, you know, that fear of, you know, your kids catching you in the Mm -hmm. middle of is something that never actually goes away. <laughs> Even when they're adults. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's like, not let's lock the front door. Uh, we never know. <laughs> they come to the house and let themselves in with a key or not. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that moment was like, I, I was, okay, so Emma's an adult. But they're still going to be discomfited by this idea of their child. Mm-hmm. Back, not to mention Henry, but that was like okay. That was an awkward moment, but I just I just love that. That was just 
I, I was really laughing at that, and that was a great bit of, of humor that's like, oh, okay, there are some issues they're going to have to work out here um, because Emma really is their child, and they really, they really see it that way. Emma, I don't think quite has her head wrapped around that, though. No, and Henry, I mean, as much as he went after Emma, he still calls her Emma. He doesn't call her mom. So I feel like there's that whole dynamic with that entire family that they just have not yet, and they haven't had the chance to sort it out because Emma and Snow are missing for most of the season so far. It should be interesting to see how it all sorts itself out over the rest of the year. And I'm really happy um, when Eddie and Adam said to me that um, the going forward, the storylines are really going to be about um, you know, the Charmings and Emma and Rumpel and Belle and Cora and Puck. That's really going to be, as they actually put it, and I I didn't play that bit of the, the interview, the main characters of the show. Um, and, you know, really that's where, and I think if I've had one complaint about Once Upon a Time this year is that too much time has been spent on Mulan and Aurora building up that story and not enough time spent in Storybrooke. And I think it's going to change. Yeah, I don't think we're going to follow Laura and Mulan on their next quest, which is fine. I mean, I feel like we left them at a natural ending point for their characters. Yeah, and I do know that that Belle and Mulan are going to have an adventure together. So if they, you know, one of the big things that I was kind of, the difference between Mulan and Aurora and some of the other characters that have been introduced like last season is all of those characters that were introduced last year had a pre-existing relationship with mm-hmm. a character. So, yeah. you know, Hook is connected to Rumpel through Mila or Jefferson is connected to Regina or, you know what I mean? So, um, but Mulan and and Aurora were just sort of, okay, they're there. And well, and I feel like the show really has a hard time with those other characters because they either overdo it, like they did with Mulan and Aurora, or they underdo it. I mean, something that really bothered me about last night's episode is, yeah, we found out Archie's still alive, but somebody else was killed. Who was it? Does it matter? I mean, what are the effects of that? I, I kind of want to some kind of standalone story with one of these characters that we've never dealt with, just seeing what their perspective is on what's going on in the town, that they have no control over what's happening and they don't play a role in the decision-making. Right. But I think that's true on a lot of ensemble shows. Um, Sure. sure. Especially when you have a large ensemble like this one, Um, you know, on house, the ensemble was really small. And it wasn't an ensemble show, um, really, although you, you had, you know, you had the ensemble. Um, but on a show like this and, like, on Stargate Universe where they had, like, nine nine people um, mm-hmm. in, uh, you know, in, in the ensemble, I think they had nine main characters in the series. And um, But then you have all these other characters and, and they kind of come in and out and you really don't know what their perspective is. I don't have as much a problem with that. Um, the Archie, Archie, and I believe that um, Adam Harwitz last night that that was just sort of a random. We're never going to know who that was. That was just a hubris. You know, she walks. In, 
she thinks nothing of being alive. And uh, I, so that, that disappoints me because they came from Lost. And Lost, every once in a while, would stop and, and take those side trips. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Lost would catch up on that main ca- that character that was mentioned that one time and give them an episode to delve into their backstory. And, yeah, they had, like, 16 main characters, and I felt like they served them all pretty well. But they still took the time to really kind of make the world fully developed instead of just these characters don't matter at all. They're gone. Well, I mean, I think we're only, like, you know, uh, 10 episodes into season two, so it's only not even half. Oh, yeah. They've got time. I I just hope they do circle back to some of those issues later down the road instead of just... Well, I mean, they've done a good job, like, for example, last season, bringing in um, Red um, and, you know, bringing her in to the fold, as it were, you know, this year giving her an episode. And, you know, they've done that. They've done that. And and, and I think they'll circle back around to some of these other characters as well. Um, you know, now, I think now they've got their, their main cast sort of figured out. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the first season, not quite season and a half. So who knows, who knows um, <laughs> what's going to happen. But I know that, um, you know, next week comes, you know, this story of the border. And I really, it's going to be really interesting if, and again, in the promo, it said something about um, Gold wanting to take Emma with him on his quest. Yeah. So I wonder if he's going to venture out of town. I wonder if he's ever going to make it um, or if he's going to have to put it on hold because of Hook, um, because of the threat he is to Belle. Um, well, we got February sweeps. They can't do something major like cross the border until we get the February sweeps. Well, I know. They have to have to save the big developments. I feel like the border... And Henry's father has got to be the next big sweeps period. Yeah, yeah, and they may be connected. <laughs> oh, absolutely. No, I'm counting on it. People thinking, um, they're thinking, you know, a lot of people are thinking that uh, Neil Cassidy, Henry's father, is, is actually Balefire. You know, I I don't know. I, I, I mean, don't, I mean, clearly he accepted the magic stuff really quick when August showed him the box. But at yeah. the same time, I feel like that's just too much coincidence. I think so, too. I think he's one of the Lost Boys. I don't necessarily... Ooh, that would be neat. Yeah, I think he might... And be... I would tie Hook... Here's the thing about Hook. It's like Cora, they brought in Cora, and she's... Like, as much as Prince Charming and Snow White are just one shade of good, she's just one shade of evil. Whereas I feel Hook has the potential to be a little more shifty. And yeah. Like when he was with Emma, he wasn't evil towards her because he didn't have a beef with her. And they could keep the Hook story going beyond this little arc if they play it right. Yeah, and he's been brought in as a regular member of the cast. So um, uh, we'll see. You know, it's it'll be interesting to see um, what what Hook is. I mean, there there are more gradations. You know, I always kind of go by my husband's thing, and um, he actually, you know, thinks that that Hook has more gradations than, say, Cora or Charming or Snow. Um, so it should be pretty interesting. But I, I like the idea of Neil Cassidy being one of the Lost Boys because he did seem to fit in. Mm-hmm. Also know that Balefire went to a land without magic, and 
you know, Neverland is a is um is a you know it's a magical land, it's a magical realm. Um, it's one of the fairy tale realms. So I but Neverland is a little bit closer to the real world. I mean, you get the people that can cross over, like Wendy and Michael and John. But you never and go Peter Pan himself. Or grow up. Huh. Right. So I, I feel like Neverland's like, yes, it's a magical realm, but it's a little bit easier to get from Neverland to the real world than it would have been from the Enchanted Forest. That's true, but I don't think he's Balefire. I No, no, that's what I'm saying. The Last Boy thing has some credit, credence because that's kind of a, yeah. No, yeah. Yeah, so that'll be real interesting to see who Balefire is, or even if we find out this season. I, I'm guessing that we don't find out who Balefire is this season. I think that is such a huge reveal. I mean, that is the whole purpose of Rumpel's life is to find Balefire. And I can't imagine that there, we're going to find Balefire this season. Well, it is very important, but I kind of like the that some TV writers in recent years have said we're not going to hold ideas for five years. We're just going to throw all our ideas out there now in case we don't get another season and then try to go from there. And I kind of, I mean, yeah, you can keep Balfour going for a while, but I don't think it needs to stay till the end of the series. We could. No, a good, a good while, you know, a good yeah. while. Um, I, I think, um, wait, there was another thread I was going to pick up and now I can't remember what it was. It was like, it's sweet. Oh, the overwork. I really, um, I'm so excited that the whole Overwar thing is going to be explored this season as well. I had no idea how Eddie and Adam were going to answer me, but the Overwar has been something, you know, I've written about it as well. Mm-hmm. The whole thing about, you know, that goes back to the episode Desperate Souls, where the knight knew who Rumpelstiltskin was, and his leaving, his refusing to fight in the Ogre War, because that's kind of how Adam and Eddie put it to me. You know, mm-hmm. he was fight. And in, in this in the Ogre War, and what, and it turned the tide of the battle. That's what the episode said. That's what the knight said. It turned the tide in favor of the Ogres. What would an insignificant little nothing by running away from a war, how that turned the tide of a battle unless he was some sort of he was making a political statement and took other people with him or other mm-hmm. people looked upon what he did was being such an incredible act of bravery that they followed his example and that's what ended that's that's what made Rumpel such an important character that he would still be remembered and that he would have turned the tide of the war. And that's always bugged me. That's always, you know, what happened? What happened in that war? And I kind of love it if Rumpel had, it was like a political thing for him. <laughs> you know, I mean, I think it'd be just like too cool. So, <laughs> you know, yay, political radical. And I, to be honest, that's interesting because I think it would set really well with Robert Carlyle as an actor if that was his motivation because 
he's such a radical. I mean, he's he's a lefty, which is fine because I am too. <laughs> he is such a political lefty. Uh, I, oh, by the way, I saw um, a part. I haven't finished watching it yet. A part of a movie he did um, a couple of years ago. It was like right had to be right before um, he did Stargate Universe. So it had to be like 2008, 2009. And it was a movie directed by the incredibly wonderful British actress Samantha Morton. And it's a movie called The Unloved. It is a really hard movie to watch. I had to actually stop in the middle because it's a really hard movie to watch. Um, but it was it was really, really well done. It won a whole bunches of BAFTAs, and I think it won for Carlisle his last, um, maybe not his last, maybe his one of his last uh, uh, Scottish BAFTAs um, as Best Actor in this movie. I think he also won a... BAFTA for um, Summer. It was either Summer or I Know You Know. I think it was Summer he won a BAFTA for. Um, but it came out, I think, even a year after Summer did. Uh, it came out in 2009 or 2010, something like that. It, it came out relatively recently. Um, but it's really, if, if you guys want to see him um, in a really excellent role, it's not a big role, it's very much a supporting character, but um, it's actually pretty brilliant. So it's called The Unloved, and it's an important movie. It had been made for uh, the BBC, and it had been considered to be such an important movie that it had it got wide release within the UK and even uh, was released in the art house circuit in the US. <laughs> Unfortunately, most of Carlyle's movies end up in the art house circuit, so they, they never get like a real wide release here. Um, which is kind of unfortunate, but I think that's kind of the way, from what I understand, kind of the way he'd prefer it, um, which is kind of cool. You have to, you know, you have to think that it's kind of nice that that roles like Rumpel or, you know, playing the villain in a in a Bond movie is gonna allow him to, fin- you know, to, to be able to take the time to do, you know, like a, you know, to to get scale to do a movie with like a million dollar budget total, <laughs> like that everything you know, to, to do those little tiny movies and uh, so you know yay for him which is another reason why I think he's one of my favorite actors these days is because he has a real strong commitment to those small films and uh, you know can put his considerable talent and prestige behind them so um, and, and Once Upon a Time is really lucky to have him it's really exciting so we're almost done with tonight's show mm-hmm so, that went fast. It sure did. We mostly just talked about the one show. <laughs> so um, so next week, again, we're going to have Wes Britton as my guest, uh, who wrote the Encyclopedia of TV Spies. So if you were a fan of anything from Man from Uncle to Alias to Burn Notice, which I know you watch, yeah? You watch yeah, Burn Notice. It's not... Uh, it's gotten better in recent year or two, but it's, yeah. Okay. Um, so there are a lot of good spies on um, and have been on, and we'll talk a little James Bond as well. Over the year, I have my favorite Bond. Who's your favorite James Bond? Am I? Ooh. You know, I don't know. It's been so long since I've seen the old ones, but I can't uh-huh. say Skyfall that's in the theaters now is my favorite Bond movie I've seen in a very long time. You know, my husband hates Bond movies. <laughs> uh-huh. We haven't seen a Bond movie. We've seen Les Mis. 
I haven't seen Les Mis yet. I'm hoping to get to it this weekend. We saw The Hobbit this past weekend. I think The Hobbit. I, I liked it. Um, I feel like some of the flaws were more just the characters weren't as deep as Lord of the Rings, but that's more the source material than the, the movie's fault. I thought it looked fantastic. Fantastic. Did you read my review of it? I have not because I just saw the movie yesterday, so I will get to your review. I, You know what? I mean, yeah, I have some problems with it. And we saw Lane Is, which was amazing. It was great, um, despite the vocal flaws. Um, it was recorded live, and it was phenomenal, I thought. And I didn't have a problem with anyone's voice, and I'm a singer, and I am really, really, really hypercritical of singing I had no Ooh, problem. You should, you should go see Life of Pi. That's fantastic. Yeah, I'm going to see that. I think that's the last remaining movie. I, we haven't seen. Um, we haven't seen. There are a couple of movies that haven't come out yet. We haven't seen, uh, but we have to see Life of Pi and a couple of others, and uh, we'll have seen all of the. We saw the Best Exotic Marigold Marigold Hotel over the weekend, um, so we'll see. Uh, and maybe we'll talk about the Oscars and the Golden Globes when we get closer to that. Well, James, it has been a pleasure as usual. Yes, thank you. And you can come on any time if you want to come on my house rewatch show anytime. You're always welcome. Well, thank you. Yes, I'd love to come on any of your shows. Uh, with the house, just give me a little heads up. I have the first five seasons on DVD, so I'm sure I can pop them back in. Okay. All right. Well, you know what? Start watching the podcast. Okay. Come- We'll do. <laughs> well, maybe I'll bring you on and Jerry Weaver too, uh, who is another housey, and uh, we'll talk. We'll 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 figure it out over the week. Well, thank you everyone for tuning in. Again, we are. This is Let's Talk TV Live, and I am Barbara Barnett, executive editor, Blog Critics Magazine, and editor in chief and publisher of Let's Talk TV blog at letstalktv.barbarabarnett.com. Thank you, Jerome Wetzel TV for joining us tonight. And thank you all for making this show a success. See you next week. Bye. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.